The following is a podcast of 19 North, a college and 20-something ministry of Victory Family Church. For more details, visit www.19north.tv. Thank you. Awesome. I'm the old guy. Can I have my phone, Zach? Thanks. Yeah, I'm the old guy. I need, I need my rest. So. And, uh, well, tonight I want to talk to you uh, about how to be led by God, how to hear God's voice in your life. And uh, the series we've been titled, I've uh, been talking to, are we doing it all month in the uh, old service? And uh, no, I mean, our nine o'clock service for me is even old. And so that's when the people that are older than me even show up. But uh, we're really glad you're here. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm thrilled that uh, for the future, uh, for the body of Christ, you're not, you aren't the future, you're the present. But when I look at going to the next generation of leaders, I'm thrilled for what I see in, in, among you all. You guys are incredible people. And uh, you get a lot of, you get slammed a lot from the culture and, uh, and even from older people. I got to tell you, I see some amazing things in your lives and a, a unbelievable potential. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys, go for it. Every revolution, really, very few revolutions in human history happen from people my age. Almost without exception, they happen from people your age. And so thank you uh, for what you're doing for God. But uh, the series was titled uh, Siri, Being Led by God or by Your Phone. Um, now, I had to explain that to a lot of the people in our church because they don't know who Siri is. So, you know, of course, I would start the, the service by asking the phone a question like, um, you all know who Zach is, right? Everybody knows Zach? Everyone know, you don't know Zach? <laughs> so I was, I've been teasing Zach for years that, that he's the only guy I know that's as pretty as Lauren. And so, uh, <laughs> how pretty is Zach Blair? John, I don't understand. <laughs> all right, well, that's all right. Most people don't understand me, but that's all right. But, uh, but it's as foolish to ask for direction from a lot of sources as it, is to, as it would be to ask your phone. And yet in the culture we live in, people are, are trying, even Christians, are trying to find out what they're supposed to do with their life. How am I going to hear from God? How am I going to be led by God in my life? And they're hearing, listening to a lot of voices. And they aren't trustworthy. And they're not something you want to build your life on. The first thing I want you to know about the will of God for your life is this. It is God's will that you know God's will. Because sometimes people think of the will of God and they think of it in a, an abstract sense, almost that if I'm going to know there's this secret code that I have to kind of wiggle out of the hands of God. And if I do find out, then I, it's mystical and you can't really know. And it's just the opposite. The will of God, to know the will of God is not difficult. It is clear, clearly defined in the Bible. Now tonight, I'm going to cover one aspect of it. Uh, which is the general will of God that's the same for everybody. And yet there's a way as well that you can learn the specific will of God for your life. You know, the Bible, you can't pick up the Bible and find out who to marry. But you can pick up the Bible and find out who not to date. And so there are things the Bible will tell you, but you have to make a decision in your life as a Christian whether you're going to be loyal to what God says or whether you're going to seek another source of information. Ephesians 5.17 said, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise, but understand the will of God. So it tells you 
in essence this, if you don't know God's will, you'll live outside of wisdom. Now, we live in a culture that is, that is wisdom poor and knowledge rich. I mean, heaven's sakes, I can pick up my phone and ask it anything, and it's going to tell me something. And if it doesn't know, it'll say, can I do a web search for you? I mean, you're, you know, what's available to us now knowledge-wise, it's off the chain. It's unbelievable. Uh, now, for you all, you've grown up with this stuff. But you have to understand, I grew up, how many of you have ever used a phone that's rotary dial? How many of you have never seen one? I watched it in an old movie. Well, you know, at least that wasn't where, you know, they were picking up the phone and going, and talking, you know, in one ear, you know, one of these. But when you don't walk in the will of God, you're walking outside of wisdom. The Bible said wisdom will build you a house. It will build you a life. Wisdom's the ability to make decisions today that you won't regret for the rest of your life. Now, what you don't have at, at your age is experience. But what you can have is wisdom. You don't have to be old to get wisdom. In fact, I know a lot of old people that don't have any. Wisdom isn't a matter of age. It's a matter of getting it from God. Knowing the will of God will cause you to walk in wisdom. Psalms 119, verse 105 said, God, your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word is a light to my path. Understand this, the primary place that you will discover the known will of God for your life is in the Scripture. It's going to tell you, and I don't mean some weird, out there kind of unlivable Christianity. I'm talking about everyday life stuff. How to navigate life, how to navigate relationships, how to navigate your career choice, how to navigate sexuality. That's all clearly in the Bible, and the will of God is spelled out perfectly for all of us. And yet, if you're not careful, you'll hear about what God says in His Word about arenas like that of life, and you'll feel restricted. Well, what's God trying to keep away from me? Well, nothing. You'll see, as we get through this tonight, the will of God is, is in the lordship of, of Jesus is the lordship of love. He would never lead you anywhere love would, wouldn't lead you. He'll take you only where love would take you. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. The direction the word of God provides in my life and your life is utterly flawless. There's nothing in this world flawless, guys. Nothing. You might be dating someone or engaged or recently married, and you look at your wife. Well, women never do this to their husbands. But you look at your wife and say, baby, you're flawless. Women never say that to their husbands, <laughs> ever. And if they do, then they haven't been, they never met the guy yet. So one date, and they know he's flawed. But guys, though, man, because listen, the Bible said, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor with the Lord. It doesn't say anything about husbands. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, God made Adam, and then he said, I can improve on this, and he made Eve. And, uh, and so just said, are you against men? No, I have a son, but I also have two daughters, which makes me prison-bound likely. I'm willing to go back to prison. I really am. All right, you'll get that on the way home. <laughs> James chapter 1 tells us this about the word. Verse 21, he said, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is pre so prevalent and humbly receive the word of God planted in you, which can save you. It takes humility. We've got to be willing to submit to the authority of God's word. Verse 22 said, Don't merely listen 
to the word and then deceive yourself. Do what it says. Now, I, I put in parentheses, make it your final authority. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forget what he, forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently, now listen now, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. The Bible says that when you stay in front of the Word of God and you stay it like you would in a mirror, and if you'll abide in the mirror of God's Word, you'll begin to see what manner of man or woman God made you to be. You won't be defined by who abandoned you or who hurt you or who did you wrong. You won't be defined by your mistakes your mother or your father made or for that matter, your own mistakes. You'll begin to be defined by the mirror of God's Word and you have to continue in it. And if you'll continue and let the Word of God find a lodging place in your life, it will begin to tell you who you are, what you possess and what you can do by the power of God in your life. And the Scripture said if you'll do that, the, it is the perfect law of God that gives freedom. Listen to me. You are never called to be strong. The Word of God will make you strong. No, it won't. The Word of God is strong in you. Let it dominate your life. The Bible never tells you to be strong in the New Testament. It says be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. See, sometimes when we love God with all of our heart, or let me say it just on the other side of it, very often people think they can't love God because they feel so weak, because they have areas in their life that are messed up. Uh, why can't I stop doing and you fill in the blank? Well, the Bible says you're, you're, you're not going to find some kind of strength in the sense that you're going to innately be strong. There is a strength, though, that can be in you by the power of the Word of God as a believer. And it is the power of that Word that gives freedom. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't, I'll pray 12 hours every day and, and I'll be strong. No, you won't. If you pray 12 hours a day, you'll end up weird. So that, that, that's not right. Every, if you could pray 12 hours a day, that would be good. No, it isn't. God called you to live your life. And that's where people get weird. They make Christianity something unsustainable. It's everyday life walking with God. Now, you may not be praying 12 hours a day, but you know you can, you can be constantly communing with, the, with your Father in your heart. It's so important. I want, I want you to understand that you can know the will of God. Now, we live in a culture, and, and now listen, I'm going to ask, this might be offensive, so don't leave. No, because people can get ticked off and they leave and they don't hear the other half. Wait till I'm done, then you can leave if it ticks you off. And if it, but you say, what if, what if it upsets somebody? I don't care. Um, <laughs> but let me explain, honestly, I'm doing my best. Recently, uh, there was a statement made by an 80s TV star. Uh, Y'all know who, uh, now you guys didn't see this, you can have to YouTube it, but for whatever reason, he's still well-known, Kirk Cameron. He was on Piers Morgan, and it hit the news. I mean, you couldn't turn on the news. You go, you go, you go on Yahoo, check out the news. You go on Google News, and, and there's this headline, what Kirk Cameron, he was somebody Seaver on Growing Pains. I forget his... Mike, Mike Seaver on Grow... <laughs> Thank you. But Piers Morgan, do you all know who Piers Morgan is? He was on one of those, uh, like, American Idol kind of shows for a while. Uh, 
He asked him a question about gay marriage. Here's what he said about homosexuality. And I mean, you would have thought he had killed 50,000 people. He said, homosexuality is unnatural, detrimental, and ultimately destructive to so many of the foundations of civilization. And people went nuts. Now, beyond the fact that he has a right to say what he has, wants to say, that's a separate issue. Now, let me say this. I don't know, I didn't hear what he said, so I don't know if he was being condemning. Because let me tell you something about God, he doesn't condemn people. Now, the Bible tells you what will help you and what will kill you, but God loves people. And I'm not talking, I'm not pulling that out of the, out of the, out of the, of, of the subject matter to be controversial. I'm trying to show you how the word of God can give you direction for your life, but the culture can take you in a completely different direction. So don't hear me say that God's against people that, that embrace homosexuality or struggle with it. He's not. Jesus died for every human being on the earth, but he died to liberate people. Now, back when I was a, a, a youngin, there was a band called Jethro Tull. Anybody, is that, are they still, anyone know who Jethro Tull, get out of here. Are they like retro? I mean, I don't know, okay, you guys are either real old or Jethro Tull is still popular. But it was, how do I say this politely? There was a time in my life when I wasn't walking with God and bands like Jethro Tull were music you listened to when you were in an altered state. And uh, let's just say, when you were smoking, in my day it was called Reefer, and I understand it's weed today. But uh, on one of their album covers, and that's not a big CD, it's, they're, they're vinyl, it said, and God created man in his own image, and man returned the favor. What you can't do as a Christian is to cast God in your image. Now, let me, let me try to unpack this tonight talking to you about the will of God. Now, whether heterosexual, homosexual uh, sin, which the Bible would call it that, but why is God against sinful behavior? Does he just have these arbitrary rules that he wants to restrict people and limit them and take away their enjoyment of life? Or is there a larger picture in a father heart toward people that he loves? Listen to what 1 Corinthians says about all sexual immorality. Now, Pastor Wade, are you calling homosexuality immoral? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. Biblically. So I don't believe that you have every right to believe what you want. That's, you, when you die and stand before God, talk to him about it. I mean that sincerely. I'm not here to, to argue with anybody. Yet, listen to what 1 Corinthians 6.18 said 2,000 years ago. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own flesh or his own body. Sexual sins will literally kill you 2,000 years ago. Now, let me tell you what disturbs me when I listen to people talk on all the talking heads on television. As every Christian goes on any of the talking head shows, they always ask them about gay marriage so that they can put them in a position of trying to make them look like a bigot. Now, guys, 30 million people have died of AIDS. Listen to me. 30 million people have died of AIDS. Not 30,000, not 3,000, not 300. 30 
million people have died of AIDS. And I realize not all transmission of AIDS is through sexual contact. But the reality of it is the greatest percentage of it is. And very innocent people have died of that disease and that, that, uh, that syndrome. So I'm not criticizing or putting anyone down. 30 million people have died of AIDS. 30 million. The HPV virus, human papilloma virus, uh, which uh, Gardasil now, they're giving vaccines, thank God. I think it deals with seven of the 40 strains of the HPV virus. Uh, from the Centers for Disease Control, which is a federal agency, I want you to just look, this is from their website, HPV and cancer. The most common HPV-associated cancer, listen, is cervical cancer. Almost all cervical cancer is caused by HPV, which is a sexually transmitted disease. Statistically, one in four of the women in this room have HPV in their body right now. One in four. Now, let me ask you a question. You guys remember when uh, the H1N1 virus was going around and we were all taught how to sneeze? No, I, I think that's wise. That's what health officials should do. But show me how, how do you sneeze? Show me. I think, uh, anybody know how many people died of H1N1? Somebody yell if you know. I think so much, how many? But, uh, but people died from it. My, uh, my recollection is uh, several thousand people died from that flu virus, which is terrible. So everybody in this room knows how to sneeze, right? Why is it that everybody in this room doesn't know that one in four girls, 24 to 16, has the HPV virus in their body right now? Because it's connected to behavior, and it's not politically correct to tell somebody that their behavior will kill them. But it's okay to let them die. This is from the Centers for Disease Control. Right now, this year, 12,000 women will get cervical cancer as a result, largely the HPV virus. It's from, it, this is our government telling us this. Vulvar cancer, vaginal cancer, penile cancer, anal cancer, oropharyngeal cancers of the throat and the tonsils and the back of the throat. You see the percentages. This is happening right now. But do you know if two virgins get married and have sex every day, guys, let me just let you know, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> just so you know. So we get married? No. <laughs> okay. But two virgins, which is, now, you want to talk about being uh, archaic and you want to talk about being stuck in a in a time warp, try to tell people that it's God's will for two people not to have sex till they get married and have sex with no one else the rest of their life. They'll live and die and have sex with one person. People will laugh at you, except the 12,000 women that got cervical cancer this year. Not one of them that was HPV-related would have it if they followed God's plan. Not one. Now, let me ask you a question. Forget the, the morality... What if you're one of those women? What if you're the daughter of one of those women? What if you're the mother of one of those women? Or the husband? Or the son? It no longer is a moral issue. It is a life and death issue. And will somebody tell me why people don't know this? Why this isn't so, I mean, just beaten into the mindsets of people that you having sex before marriage can kill you. I don't care if you strap a condom on you, you can die. Die dead in a grave in your mid-30s, the likelihood of one in four. Now, 
HPV will leave the body. Most people's body will eradicate it. For those who do not, your likelihood of gaining, getting cancer in your body goes through the roof. And tell me why in the information age, Siri, tell me, people don't know this. Because it has nothing to do, nothing to do with caring about people and everything to do with political, ridiculous correctness that don't care about the people that are literally dying. It is impossible, impossible for two virgins to get married that have sex every day of their life till they're 90 to get a disease from a sexual, they cannot get a sexually transmitted disease. 2,000 years ago, God said, sexual sin will kill your body. That's why sexual immorality is wrong. Not because God doesn't want people to have an orgasm. Because he doesn't want people to die. Guys, 30 million people. Now, let me ask you a question. If I'm going to give you the population of certain cities combined, and this is 30 million people, this would be if everybody in all of these cities dropped dead due to a behavior. Everybody, this is 30 million people. If you take everyone in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, Philadelphia, Phoenix, San Antonio, Texas, Dallas, San Jose, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, San Francisco, Austin, Texas, Columbus, Ohio, Fort Worth, Texas, Charlotte, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. Everybody drops dead. That's, 30, that's how many people would die. Now tell me how when this young man said that homosexuality is detrimental to the foundations of a society and destructive, how can not anybody with a brain say, well, of course it's been. I'm not saying condemn the person. Even if they embrace homosexuality, I have no right. I'm not God. Let them, they can stand before God and do with what, that's between them and God. But are you kidding me? Third, if, if tomorrow everybody in all these cities died, can you imagine the outcry? And if we knew the source of it? Do you realize out of all these millions of people that died, all these cancers, that the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them could have been prevented by people obeying the Bible? That's just one area. And you could take it across the board from that to drunkenness to you fill in the blank. It's not about God trying to restrict people. He's about leading people into life. I just, I, to me, it sickens me that we live in a culture that is playing Russian roulette with the treasure of this nation, the future of this nation, and telling them that you're going to... Now, now, listen, I, forgive me for being graphic, but forgive me. I'm, I don't care. <laughs> Girls, listen to me. If you are going to trust your life and death to the ability of some 20-year-old kid to strap a condom on properly. You're out of your mind. Do you know how many things have to go right for a condom to work perfectly? And you think the condom's what's on his mind at that moment? Come on. It's Russian roulette. Now, you may get by. Wonderful. And I pray you, God, I don't want anybody to be sick. And I'm so grateful that the... That, that, the Gardasil vaccines come up, and I hope they can... Now, they only cover, I think, six or seven strands, the most virulent ones. I hope they come up with something that can deal with all of them. I don't want anyone to suffer, nor does God. That's why he tells you. He gives you his word. Colossians 3.16, 
tells us we have to let the Word of God dwell in our hearts. Permit the Word of Christ in all of its richness to live in your hearts and make you wise. Use His words to teach and counsel each other. See, the Word of God has to become the final authority of your life as a believer. That if God says it, I'm going to do my best to follow it because God's motive is that He loves me. I remember growing up, and I imagine many of you do, your parents saying something like this. Honey, I'm telling you this for your... And you went... Right? We all did, right? Oh, please. For my good. How about being not so good to me then? I used to love this one. When I would, a little, I'd be a little kid, my dad would just do things on your backside that would hurt. It hurts me more than it hurts you, I'm thinking. Then let me beat you. We'll feel better. 1 John 2, 14, he said, I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. And I write to you young men because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. You're not going to overcome in life as a Christian unless the word of God's alive in you. In 2 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy about the power of the word of God. And he said, from childhood, you've known the Holy Scriptures. And if I had a prayer for every one of you in this room, is that the younger you can get a hold of the Word of God, the better your life's going to be. He'll take you places you never dreamed of. He'll take, you, he'll take your broken heart and he'll mend it. People can line up 5,000 deep and tell them why you can't make it. And God says you can make it with him. In fact, he said you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God has a plan for your life and it's not to be religiously oppressed. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a reality of a living God who loves you so much. And that's what Paul said to Timothy. He said, from a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures. And they are do, what are they able to do? Make you wise for salvation through faith that's in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable or to your advantage in four areas. Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction for righteousness. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipping us for every good thing God has us or wants for us to do. There are four things the Word of God will bring into your life. First, doctrine, which simply means this, what you believe about God. Do you know how many people believe nonsense about God because the Bible has not shaped their beliefs about God? Do you know how many people think God wants to do them harm? He doesn't. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Watch and observe the life and ministry of Jesus. Read the four Gospels. Everything you see him do and everything you see him not doing will show you the Father. And he only did good to people. And by the way, Jesus never, ever spoke harshly, harshly to a person bound to sin. The only people he spoke harshly to were religious people. He called them things like dead men's bones, graves that stink, hypocrites, snakes, vipers. But he spoke kindly to sin-stained people. By the way, the Pharisees were sin-stained too. They just didn't know it. They were self-righteous. The first thing the Word of God will do is tell you what to believe about God. Secondly, it will, it will reprove you. The word reprove in the Greek simply means revealing a fault. Now that sounds devastating, like, oh God, God's going to find my faults. I'm done. It's not to destroy you. But the Word of God will help you discover the areas in your life that, that are going to ultimately destroy you. If you're dating someone right now that treats you lousy, that they're unkind to you, they speak down to you. 
Do you know if you discovered in the Word of God how much you were worth, you wouldn't put up with that for 30 seconds? The only reason you put up with that nonsense, is from, whether you're a guy or a girl, is because you have no idea of your value. And if you discover your value in the Word of God, you'll send that person packing. And now again, I'm, I'm a father of two daughters. So what if somebody treated your daughter that way? That's when my prison ministry starts. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, when my daughters get married and, I, you know, you give the daughter your bride away, I'm going to hug the boy and say, listen, if you harm her, I will kill you. But you will suffer first. But I'm going to smile while I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm going to hug him. Then I'm going to kiss him. And right before I'm saying, this is what they call the kiss of death in my background. If you hurt her, pain. You sound, would you really do that? Wait till you have a daughter. And he said, would God forgive you? I'm sure he would. He's going to have to. But at least you all come see me in prison, would you? Yeah, I came to see you tonight. <laughs> Second thing the word of God will do is it'll, it'll reveal faults. But then the next thing it does is bring correction. The word correction literally if you look up the word, it means to reform or to straighten that which was crooked. And so God said, look, I'll tell you who I am. I'll show you what's going to harm you. And instead of just showing you what will harm you and your fault to make you condemned, I'll now correct it. Uh, the power of the word of God will be that which will straighten what's crooked. And then finally, it will instruct you, educate and train you. And it'll teach you. He'll show you who you are. He'll, he'll de-educate you. I don't know if that's a word. He will uneducate you. He will take away the things that have been invested in you through harshness, through hard words, through hard circumstances, through an absent mother, an absent father. Maybe a father and mother, you may have been better off if they were absent. I don't know your story. You dated somebody and he or she took advantage of you. You dated a guy and you thought he was a kind guy and you were date raped. That de devastates people. You're here and you've had, you've had an abortion and you hear Christians talk about abortion and it kills you inside. And you want to run from God. So what do you do if, what do you do if that's happened to you? Are you done? Are you marked? No. God's merciful. And I can t let me tell you, the people who've made the worst choices in their life are the ones who understand it the best. And so instead of being buried by your past, Jesus liberates you from it. He forgives you from it and he restores you. And the word of God will take you and restore a broken life. And he'll help you to fulfill the purpose for which you were created. And that's what he said. It will fully equip you for every good thing God wants you to do with your life. Psalms 119 says this. Verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He said, praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one who rejoices in great riches. Here's what he's literally saying. We have to look at the word of God and act when we, when we have access to it. We need to treat it like somebody who just discovered that they're rich. Take a look at this. 
and then we're going to wind it up tonight. I want you to show, this is somebody who discovered they're rich. Look how they reacted. This is Danielle with the Prize Patrol, and we're in Bella Vista, Arkansas, about to surprise our newest millionaire. Hello, Karen. <laughs> no! Hello! Won the Publishers Clearinghouse Sweet oh. Cakes. Congratulations. Congratulations! Oh, you have no idea how this is going to help. I lost my job in October. You have no idea what this means. I don't believe that I saw that big cameraman out there and I thought. No, no, it can't be. It can't be. Oh, you guys, you have no idea. Oh, you just don't. I am so thrilled. That's what somebody acts like when they discover true riches. And she just had her life changed. The scripture tells us that we should rejoice that way when we find out that these kind of riches are in God's word and available to you. Let me close with Deuteronomy chapter 6. In verse 24, he said, The Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. What God tells us to do with our life, the word of God, is for our good. That's it. It's that simple. And to preserve you alive. This is Zach Blair. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I truly hope that the message that we shared deeply impacted your life today. But there is one more thing that I'd like to challenge you in. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity into the hearts of each man. So I know right now that there are those listening to this podcast right now under the sound of my voice that have eternity in their hearts and don't know what would happen to them when they die. Jesus said plainly in John six forty seven. he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Do you know if you've ever put your faith and your trust completely and solely in him? Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. But the great thing about this salvation is that it doesn't just affect us in the life to come, that we don't have to just have hope at the end, that we can have hope now, that as we ask God into our heart, we ask him into our world as well. And it changes everything right now as well as in the future. So if you would like to know if Jesus is your Lord, you can pray this prayer with me and Jesus will come into your heart. Just say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord right now. Come into my heart and make me brand new. I'm now a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast has been brought to you by 19 North. For more details, please visit www.19north.tv.